0: From the studios of Postscript Media and Canary Media. The end of June marks the start of summer for us here in the Northern Hemisphere. It's also the start of the summer break for the most powerful court in America, the Supreme Court. And that means June is a very busy month for opinions from the justices, opinions that will shape people's lives in drastic ways. We have breaking news. The Supreme Court has made a decision on the first major Second Amendment case in decades. That's right. This ruling strikes down a New York law that put restrictions on who could get a license to carry a gun outside of the home. It is a tectonic shift on abortion rights. The U.S. Supreme Court today remade the legal landscape, throwing out the precedent laid down 50 years ago in Roe v. Wade. Yeah, it was a particularly busy and consequential June for the new conservative majority on the Supreme Court. And it was a very tense time to be a reporter waiting on those high decisions.
1: The Supreme Court releases opinions every 10 minutes. So, you know, as that 10-minute mark comes along, then you're just sitting right in front of the laptop.
0: That is Nina Farah. She's an energy law reporter at e and News.
1: So I cover litigation over pipelines, federal regulations, uh, oil and gas leasing, that sort of thing.
0: After some extraordinary court decisions that stripped reproductive rights and elevated gun rights, Nina and dozens of other journalists were waiting on a more obscure but equally consequential ruling. Today was a really big day for you, huh? Were you waiting for it for all week?
1: Yes, more like all month. We were anticipating that the Supreme Court was going to come up with this decision in June. And so every time there's been an opinion day, we've been, you know, sitting in front of the computer, refreshing. We just had to wait till the very last day to, to get this one.
0: And wrapping up all opinions for the term, the Supreme Court has loosened the regulating power of the Environmental Protection Agency. That's right. The decision says the EPA does not have the authority to set caps on greenhouse gas emissions from power plants. The 6-3 ruling was decided along ideological lines. The ruling is a loss for the Biden administration and will limit its ability to meet his climate goals. So you've spent a good portion of your reporting career covering legal issues, environmental regulation, how consequential is this current Supreme Court case, West Virginia versus EPA, compared to all the other decisions and regulations you've followed?
1: Uh, Well, I would say this is probably the most consequential decision that I've covered. The Supreme Court doesn't take a whole lot of energy-related cases, so this is certainly a big deal for EPA to get this ruling today.
0: This is The Carbon Copy. I'm Stephen Lacey. The Supreme Court has restricted how America's environmental cop can enforce climate pollution rules. So how severe are the consequences and what does it mean for future climate policy?
2: Faced with the surge of distributed energy resources, electric cars and grid constraints, utilities are ramping up dynamic pricing. But the results are mixed. If utilities don't implement rates correctly or transparently, it could be a major roadblock for the energy transition and a headache for customers. On June 13th, Latitude Media and GridX will host a frontier forum to examine the imperative of good rate design and the consequences of getting it wrong. Register at the link in the show notes or go to latitudemedia.com events.
0: On Thursday morning, the conservative majority of the Supreme Court ruled the Environmental Protection Agency overstepped its authority in regulating heat-trapping gases from power plants.
2: Uh, Here's what Chief Justice John Roberts had said. Capping carbon dioxide emissions at a level that will force a nationwide transition away from the use of coal to generate electricity may be a sensible, quote, solution to the crisis. But a decision of such magnitude and consequence rests with Congress itself And Carl, there's a lot of concern that with a decision like this, will this now go into other agencies?
0: Now, before we get into what this case means, a bit of background. It's it's an odd case involving an interpretation of a 1970s law that set the foundation for a climate regulation that doesn't even exist today. In 2015... The EPA, under President Obama, unveiled the Clean Power Plan. It was a big deal. It was the first time that carbon emission standards were set for power plants. And the agency said it had the authority to do it under the Clean Air Act, a law enacted in 1970 to clean up air pollution. But a group of attorneys general led by West Virginia disagreed. They sued in federal court. And then Trump came into office. His EPA ditched the plan and created a toothless replacement. That killed West Virginia's lawsuit. But then a bunch of states, cities, and environmental and public health groups sued the Trump EPA. And last year, a circuit court ruled the Trump administration's intentional slow walk was, quote, arbitrary and capricious.
1: This regulation, what the the D.C. Circuit said was that EPA did have this broad authority and the interpretation that Trump's EPA had put in place was also sort of tossed out. What the D.C. Circuit ruling did was basically give the Biden administration a clean slate to start over and craft its own regulation.
0: So there's a brief celebration. Environmental groups put out press releases praising the decision. Still, there's no regulation in place anymore. Then a group of fossil fuel dependent states led by West Virginia, these are the states that sued the Obama administration all the way back in 2015. They are not happy with this ruling And they go try to get the high court's attention. And this begins the new chapter for West Virginia versus EPA, the chapter that just closed.
1: We saw the states and a couple coal companies go to the Supreme Court and file individual petitions to have their case um, reheard. And there is a lot of skepticism, actually, uh, that this case could actually make it to the court because there was no rule in place. So observers were, you know, saying that whatever the Supreme Court would, could rule would be basically an advisory opinion. It would be ruling on something that didn't actually exist. And they were very concerned about what sort of precedent that would set for, you know, raising challenges to any number of regulations from federal agencies.
0: So why did they take this up even though the regulation doesn't exist?
1: Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the the majority opinion for this case. And his argument was actually that even though EPA had said that the Clean Power Plan was off the books, it didn't intend to go back to it, it wanted to start fresh, he argued that this rule was actually still in place. And so that there could be potential harm to states um, by continuing to have this rule. So He took the position, and the majority took the position that they needed to take some sort of, or they could take some sort of action to block any sort of reapplication of the Clean Power Plan.
0: So, summarize the majority opinion for us. What did the Supreme Court decide?
1: So, what the Supreme Court said was that EPA had acted outside its authority under the Clean Air Act to used generation shifting, which is shifting from fossil fuel-based energy sources to renewable energy sources as sort of the foundation of its um, regulatory approach. And it said, it used um, what's known as the major questions doctrine as the basis for that. So basically uh, what that means is it's this legal theory that agencies, while they generally get discretion from courts in how they interpret their authority under laws. In the case where you have um, a regulation that's really politically or economically significant, Congress needs to speak uh, clearly to wanting to um, sort of delegate that power to agencies. So in this case, EPA didn't have a clear mandate under the Clean Air Act from Congress to use generation shifting specifically to create a regulation. So the the ruling is actually, you know, a bit more narrow than it could have been. I think a lot of observers were concerned that, you know, what would happen is the Supreme Court might undermine EPA's power altogether to, you know, regulate emissions from power plants. And and that didn't seem to be what, what happened today.
0: Yeah. So for those who are not following the legalese or who may not understand the regulation clearly, compare those two outcomes. So like really simply describe why this outcome is so much more narrow than what it could have been.
1: Sure. So part of the question that um, the challengers of this case were saying is that under the Trump administration, EPA created this very narrow rule that said you can only regulate power plant emissions at the source. So at the power plant level and they argued that this there was no ambiguity sort of in the clean air act and they had to have this approach so what the supreme court could have potentially said was yes you can only regulate power plants by like regulations at the source at the power plant level that's not what the court said so what the court said is you can't create generation shifting as a foundation for regulation, but it doesn't say that you can't look at other possibilities. So, like, emissions trading is another approach that, you know, power plants can use credits to operate if they're emitting too much and use a marketplace kind of approach. Those kinds of things don't seem like they're off the table from this ruling.
2: Mark your calendars for June 13th at noon Eastern. That's when Latitude Media and GridX will host a live interactive discussion on implementing modern utility rates. Dynamic rates are vital for motivating customers to electrify, adopt DERs, and embrace demand flexibility. Utility rates could make or break the energy transition. So how do we do it right? Join Latitude Media's Stephen Lacey, GridX CCO Scott Ingström, and economist Ahmad Farouki for an in-depth discussion on the future of rates on June 13th. Register for free by clicking the link in the show notes or go to latitudemedia.com slash events.
0: And EPA's administrator has said that he is evaluating other options that could survive uh, any challenge at the Supreme Court. And it could potentially involve some of the other strategies that you outlined. So so there's a lot more flexibility here than then could have been on the table?
1: I think so. And I think one thing to keep in mind is that, you know, EPA initially had said that they were going to have a draft proposal for their new regulation for power plants this month, but they've pushed that back to March. So that leaves a lot of time for them to look at this ruling and craft something that is going to withstand um, legal challenge. Uh, You know, one thing that was discussed before this decision, too, was that you know how could EPA tighten its other standards on, say, mercury emissions or volatile organic compounds or, or other emissions that could also benefit by cutting greenhouse gas emissions indirectly. So that could be another way to to address this issue by just requiring plants to generally be much cleaner.
0: This has really important consequences for how the government deals with climate change. President Obama and now President Biden have really relied on administrative action to try to implement their climate plans. What are the consequences for any ambitious climate plan that is on the table? Does this completely take away Biden's desire to hit a net zero grid by 2035, or is that still on the table?
1: So I think the challenge that this ruling presents is one of timing right? So if generation shifting as a basis for a rule is off the table, it might make it harder for EPA to, and the U.S. more broadly to cut emissions at the pace that the Biden administration is looking to do. So like the target for 2030 is to slash emissions in half based off of 2005 levels by 2030, which is just eight years away. So being able to meet that at that target might be more difficult now if you can't have all options on the table. And uh, and that timing piece could be very significant. It's sort of unclear, I guess, whether um, EPA can get there without that tool.
0: Tell me about what the dissenters argued. So I'll read a quote here from Justice Kagan. The court appoints itself, instead of Congress or the expert agency, the decision maker on climate policy. I cannot think of many things more frightening. Respectfully, I dissent. What are the dissenters arguing here?
1: What the Supreme Court's decision does is limit the power that was recognized to regulate greenhouse gases under that Massachusetts versus EPA decision that recognized that EPA was required to regulate greenhouse gases. And uh, Kagan goes on to talk about all the evidence of the imminent effects of climate change and the the risks of increasing emissions and why it's so important for the U.S. to act quickly and why it doesn't make sense to hamper what EPA is doing. And uh, she describes the authority for EPA to act on climate change as like directly within its wheelhouse or something along those lines, that there is no question in the statute in her mind that EPA has the power to do this or do what it did in the Clean Power Plan.
0: So when it comes to climate policy, on a scale of disastrous to not that bad, where do you think this decision sits in terms of its impact?
1: I would say bad to pretty bad. I think mainly because it's definitely not the worst for EPA because it has that flexibility still to look at other solutions. It doesn't require only... um, regulations that focus on the power plant itself. So that makes it less bad than it could be. Um, It seems more narrowly focused to EPA. So, you know, one of the major concerns here was that this was going to undermine agency authority more broadly. And, you know, one legal expert that I spoke to was saying that the interpretation of the major questions doctrine, this doctrine that you can't defer to an agency's authority if, uh, on these major issues if Congress hasn't clearly delegated that authority. That interpretation is very similar to what we saw with other recent cases. So can FDA regulate tobacco or can CDC, for example, issue an eviction moratorium? And so we aren't seeing the court come out and broaden the scope of how it's looking at major questions. It's sort of in line with those. And so that, I think, has relieved at least some anxiety from some people that this is going to be sort of this sweeping change in in agency power.
0: And this conservative court has indicated that it is willing to take on a whole range of issues that could limit federal government power. How do you think the climate issue may feed into that in the coming years.
1: So uh, one really big concern coming into this case was that the Supreme Court was going to go after Massachusetts versus EPA, which gives EPA that power to regulate greenhouse gases. It wasn't mentioned in this case, but there is concern that that might become a target or potentially, I guess that a future case may build off of what the court decided today and further
0: restrict the, um,
1: agency's power here.
0: Nina Farah is a climate law reporter with e News.
1: I managed um, to miss three opinion days on vacation. I had to carry around uh, my work laptop while I was uh, headed to the beach in case uh, the ruling came down. But fortunately, they waited until I was back at work.
0: The Carbon Copy is a co-production of PostScript Media and Canary Media... Our producers are Jamie Kaiser and Alexandria Herr. Cecily Mesa Martinez is our managing producer. Sean Marquan mixed the show. Original music came from Echo Finch and Blue Dot Sessions, and Sean Marquan made the theme. Postscript Media is supported by Prelude Ventures, a venture capital firm that partners with entrepreneurs to address climate change across a range of sectors advanced energy, food and agriculture, transportation and logistics, advanced materials and manufacturing, and advanced computing. Go ahead and give us a rating review on Apple or Spotify. Thanks for sending your thoughts on social media. We love to hear from you and, of course, send this show to a friend or colleague. I am Stephen Lacey. This is the Carbon Copy. Thanks for being here.